You know, we, we are going through the book of Ephesians, and uh, we've had two great uh, sermons already, an introductory sermon, uh, where Chris, I think when I listened to him, he, he, he wasn't the one speaking. You know, it, it was more like he was really in the spirit. You know, if you haven't listened to that sermon, the introductory sermon, go back and listen to it. You know, he spoke like he was possessed of the Holy Spirit. And usually you don't, you don't see him so, so flowing when he's talking. But on that day, I think he was just, you know, he was speaking in, in, in such, not just a measured way, but a very deep language. You know, he spoke about the scripture, the, the letter of Ephesians, being written to us as individuals and being written to us as a church. And he encouraged us to do something. He says, we should take a deep dive into that letter. The more I read Ephesians, the more I understand why that word dive was so important because it's so short as a book but so dense and so full of revelation. He spoke of Paul being in the place very much like John when John wrote the book of Revelation. It was more like Paul was caught up in the spirit and he was saying things that the ordinary human mind cannot comprehend and describe and expose in a language that you and I can ordinarily speak. So it is condensed. And we need to spend time doing what actually scripture says we should do. And he recommended this over and over again. To devote ourselves to scripture to dedicate ourselves to the study of it and to just dig into it. That actually is the only way you can have a grasp of the message that Paul is passing to us there. Otherwise, every other aspect of that scripture will be surface. You'll be scratching the surface. And Paul came last week and began to dance. You know, he, he wove a melody around love. How much God loves us. How much God desires, you know, our presence. How much God wants us to be with him. And he read a letter written by a mom. And then he read from the book of Ephesians, chapter 1. How much God loves us. How much God actually loved us. That he says in the book of Joseph, that he loves us so much that he gave his only begotten son. Think of these parents. You don't have any other child. You have just one. Boy or girl. And 
somebody says to you, if you love me, if you love me, I have been sentenced to death because of a crime I committed. You have told me all my life that you really, really love me. You cannot take my place, but please, can you allow your child to take my place in the electric chair? In the UK, you probably will not get this message, you know. For a very long time, Europe has abolished the death penalty. So you probably will not get this message. Probably doesn't make sense to you. But the country where I come from, if you are an armed robber, when they catch you, when they arrest you, and you are found guilty, you pull out a big drum filled with sand. They will tie you to it, and the marksmen will come. They will aim at you and shoot you. If you are from China, and you commit a crime that is so grievous in the eyes of the state, they will put a cloth around your face and they will march you out, they will kneel you down, and the gun will be pointed at your head and your brains will be blown out. That is what they do in China. If you are in the U.S. and they find you guilty of such grievous crime, they will put you in the electric chair and sometimes they say they are injecting some drugs to make it easy, but those drugs are worse. And they will switch the thing on and that is it. So in Europe, you enjoy the fun of not understanding what Christ has done for us. I cannot give my child for anyone that I love exceedingly to die in their place. I couldn't do that. But God did that for us. See, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever will accept him, he saves them. Jesus came from heaven. He left the glory, the comfort, the beauty, the excellency of God's kingdom, of his father's home. He came into a dirty, lost world. And he took our place on the cross of Calvary. And he died in our place. So this morning, as we move on to Ephesians chapter 2, I have an invitation for you. If you do not know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you knew him before and you have stepped back into a world that is dark and rotten and rebellious against God, may I invite you to know this God who loves you so much that he gave not just one of his sons, his only son, to die for you so that you will have life and you will have life in abundance. That was a love story Paul was sharing with us. How much God loves us. 
all the flowering language. It was about this simple message that God loves us. And he loved us. He saved us. Even before the world came into existence, he has loved us. And in this church, we believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. We believe that Jesus Christ is our Savior. We believe that Jesus Christ is alive today. That when he died on the cross of Calvary, after three days he rose from the dead. The power of God raised him. And today he's alive. He sits at God's right hand. I know what he's doing. He's telling God our Father. You see that son, Philip, I died for him. So when Satan comes before the Father, I say, you know, Philip tells lies. Philip blows all kinds, he, you know, he does all kinds of rotten things. You see, Philip went out last night and he got himself. Jesus says to him, Father, I love you. Look at my hands. Look at my blood. I did all of this for Philip. And God says, my son, you died for him belongs to us. Satan, go away. Because that is what happens. He says, when the accuser of the brethren come before the father to accuse us before God, we overcome him by the blood of Jesus. There is a need for us to have a foundation to the book of Ephesians so we understand why it is so important when he says that we are loved of God. If you don't have a depth of this understanding, you are not going to spend time studying why you should do what you need to do. So that when the enemy begins to speak rottenness into your brain, you can say to him, no, I know that God loves me. I know that my Redeemer lives. I know that I am not a sinner. I know that I have been redeemed from every curse of the law. I know that I am going to make heaven. I know that when Jesus returns, I will be with him in glory. I know. There is a need for us to know and understand our place in God's kingdom. And that is what Ephesians talks about. He says, I am going to read this, I'm going to take some prayer points. He says here, in Ephesians 1, starting from 15, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparable great power for us who believe. It is that same power that raised Jesus from the grave. I want us to hold on to that scripture as we move on to take prayer points from it. In the book of Exodus chapter 33, reading from verse 12, 
I'll read it. I just want us to move fast. You know, I'm timing myself. You know, if you give me time, I can be here for two hours preaching. So I've learned to time myself. And I will stop when I have to stop. Amen. <laughs> Exodus 3. Moses had worked with God. Moses had known God. Moses had seen God at work. By the hand of Moses, all manner of miracles had been executed in the land of Egypt. By the hand of Moses, the Red Sea was divided. By the hand of Moses, water came out of the rock. By the hand of Moses, God came down and showed his glory before God's people. And yet he got to a time in the work of Moses with God. He cried out to God, show me your glory. I want us to get it. Exodus 3. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people from verse 12. But you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name. You have found favor with me. And then Moses says, if you are so pleased with me, teach me your ways so that I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. But Moses persisted. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not even bother sending us. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish us or distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked because I am pleased with you and I know you by name. Verse 18, then Moses said, now show me your glory. Here is a son of God who is seeing God at work in such marvelous ways. And yet he was not satisfied. We must not be satisfied with just working in the periphery. Every day we must keep digging. We must keep pushing. We must keep fighting in the battle of faith and keep crying out to God. God of heaven, show me your glory. Unless we do this, what will happen is that with time, we so grow lukewarm. We become accustomed to culture. There is church culture. We get accustomed to doing things in the way others have always done them. That is not what God has called us to. God has called us to working and striving to have an experience of him that is peculiar to us. Because every one of us have our own separate and different experiences. My experiences are not exactly like yours. I have my own battles. I have my own struggles. I have my own failures. I have things that I am crying out about. You don't know what I go to bed with tears flowing in my eyes. I'm crying to God. Why God? Why God? God? You don't know. My experiences are different from yours. But God wants to drag us bring us deeper into a relationship with him. And that is what Moses is saying here. God, show me your glory. And God did show him the 
I mean, God showed him his glory. So I want us to hold on to this prayer point that I've raised. There are three of them. See, I'm still, I'm still doing introduction. Amen. <laughs> I'd like to invite you to enjoy the presence of God. There is nothing as beautiful as He is. You know why? When you step into that place, you have such peace that people around you look and ask, why is he so calm? Why is, why is he not ruffled? Why is he not, why is he not disturbed? Why is it? Because you can get to a place or a relationship with God when you know that if you have prayed and you have released it into his hands, you can just wait on him and see it done. You have prayed. You have asked. You have wept. You have asked people to stand in faith with you. You have fasted. You have done everything you know how to do. Do not fret yourself. But that will only come as you dig deep into working with God. Prayer point. Please, if you just move to the next one for me, please. I, I mean, I have the thing here, but I, I'm too impatient to use it. <laughs> Amen. And it's taken directly from, from, from that Ephesians chapter 1. I want us, I want to invite us to, to just spend a minute or two, meditate on this, and personalize this prayer that Paul prayed for the Ephesians church. For us, it's city hope. Personalize it. God, my Father, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. Give me. Personalize it. Hold to that point. Begin to get up in the morning and pray this. Speak this to God. Father in heaven, my God, my creator, my father, give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that I may know you better. My father, I pray. You know, it's a different when you say father or when you say my father. When you can, you can go to God and call God my father. My father. We have all had parents. We all have fathers. And sometimes you have difficult relationships with your father. And you cannot open your mouth to call your father my father. So it's different from saying father, my father, personalize that relationship. I pray that the eyes of my heart may be enlightened in order that I may know the hope to which you have called me. Also to know the riches of your glorious inheritance in me, your holy child. Because you are holy. In Christ Jesus has made you holy. You are no longer just a human being or a man. You are now the holy child of God. Not because of you, 
not because of the works you have done, not because you have done anything extraordinary, but you know, like Chris said, because of the grace of God. Because of the grace of God. That is why you are holy. Father, let me know your incomparably great power for me as a believer in your Holy Son, Jesus Christ, who is my Lord and Savior. That's the power that raised Jesus. Father, just let me know you in this dimension. In Jesus' name. Praise God. Ephesians chapter 2. That is what I'm supposed to be preaching on today. Praise God. No, it's not because I'm an African man. It is, it is because I was once a teacher and I'm involved in politics. We talk too much. Amen. So you see, but I tell you this, every time I have the opportunity to minister the word of God, my co-preachers here will tell you, they, 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 some, I mean, Chris is beyond my case for, they can say, what, what are you going to speak on? I don't know. I don't know. Because I tend to spend a long period of time waiting on God. Sometimes I spend time just fasting and just waiting. God, just speak. Sometimes I fast and fast and fast until the day before. And then the message drops. And then I sit down. And I take notes. Until that happens, I don't do anything. That is why when I begin to speak, it looks like I'm about jumping at you. It's actually God also ministry to me. It's also speaking to me. And I want us to understand Ephesians chapter 2, following on on chapter 1, is also so, so dense and so deep. What I've tried to do is to break it up because ordinarily I would have loved us to read it first of all, to read go through and just read it. But because of the time we have, we're not going to be able to do that. So if you just click for me, please, to the next, next uh, uh, slide. I've broken into three parts. And the first part speaks about who we were. Who we were before we met God. Before Jesus Christ saved us before he delivered us from the curse of the law, because before Jesus made us God's children. Ephesians chapter, uh, chapter 2, he says, as for you, you were dead in your transgression and sin. You were dead in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world. Let us see the second part. And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. I want us, I encourage you to take on to that second part. There is a spirit that moves in the lives and in the heart of people 
that draws them to be rebellious against the natural order and the word of God. And unless you understand this, you will be fighting against people who you should not fight. You see, when you see somebody who is behaving badly, look beyond that person. Don't hate the person. Don't be angry with the person. Don't fight the person. Understand that there is a spirit that is at work around them that is making them behave the way they are behaving. It, that, it is that spirit that is encouraging people to rebel against God's word. It is that spirit that is driving people to do things they should not do. Because as human beings, God has put in our heart a conscience and a call to love him, to follow him, to obey him. That is why even those people whose conscience is not yet seared, whose conscience is not yet dead, when they do bad things, they know they have done bad things. Because God has put it in all of humanity. You know, the devil did not create one person. I hope you know this. The devil has never, will never create one human being. There is no one human being on the face of the earth today that was created by Satan. Every single person you see walking about was created by the almighty God. They may be living or walking in rebellion, but they were created by your father and my father, who is also their father. The moment we understand this, our relationship with human beings will change. It is that spirit that is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We were deserving of death. But because of his great love, God, who is rich in mercy, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgression. It is by grace you have us saved. Two words that Christ also brought forth when he introduced Ephesians. Grace and mercy. Grace and mercy. Undeserved, unmerited favor. God freely gave to us. He said, I love you even though you are dead in transgressions. Even though you are bent on disobeying me. Even though you are dead, you are dead in rebelling against me. Even though you don't want to listen to me. I still love you. All I am requiring of you is to turn to me. Listen to me. Obey me. If you are willing and you are obedient, you will eat the goodness of my blessings. I've just read 1 to 5, verses 1 to 5, and I'll read, I'll read from 11 as well. It says, it continues in verse 11, Therefore, remember that formerly 
you who are Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised by those who call themselves circumcision, which is done in the, human, in the body by human hands. And remember that at that time, you were separate from Christ, excluded from the citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenant of the promise, without hope, without God in this world. But now in Christ, you who was once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. Just think of it. At a point in time, all of us there in this room, white or black, Africans or Caucasians or Asians, we were without God in this world. We were aliens, considered outcasts by those who consider themselves, and rightly so, as the citizens, the benefactors of God's uncommon love and grace. The people of Israel, they didn't deserve it, and yet God loved them. They didn't deserve it. God was willing to do anything, whatsoever it was, for them. God brought us into that, that union, that family, so that today we can say we are citizens, members of the commonwealth of Israel. Africans, Caucasians, Asians. And it says in heaven, all nations, all nations, we come before the throne of heaven, before the throne of God, to worship him. All nations. So, when I see Paul and I say, brother, people who don't know will look at us and say, how oh, is he an African? He's got a white man, brother. Maybe it's hard too much to drink. But he's my brother. I don't care what anyone says. He's my brother. Because we have been adopted as brothers into one family. We are now siblings. And we have an elder brother who loves us. His name is Jesus Christ. If you don't know him as your elder brother, please, I invite you, come and join me and Paul. I'm inviting you, come and join us. Be our brother be our sister, and we have an elder brother who is love. He loves. He sacrifices. He gives. His name is called Jesus Christ. You know his other name is Emmanuel. God always with us. You want to know his other name? He's counselor. He's the wonderful one. He's the wisdom of God revealed to mankind. He is the word of God. Do you want to know more about this man? My elder brother, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's a rose of Sharon. He's a lily in the valley. He is a beautiful one. His name is Jesus. He loves me because I'm his younger brother. He looks at me when I'm naughty, when I begin to behave badly. He draws me close. And he says, brother, behave yourself. I love you. I don't want you to fall into hell fire. And he takes me to the place and he shows me, see, you see, the place is burning with sulfur. It's hot. It's that fire you see 
burns without ceasing. It will never stop. It is a place of eternal damnation and punishment and suffering to everyone that God, our Father, cast into him. Don't go there. Hallelujah. That is who we were. Praise God. And I'm going to now rush through the last two because I've exceeded my time. Praise God. I was supposed to be here for 30 minutes. It's now 32 minutes. Praise God. You see, I timed myself. I'm doing very well. Hallelujah. And then your life now, your life, who and what are you now? What kind of life do you now enjoy? I've already touched on that in verse 13. But now in Christ, you who are once far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus. And he has become our peace who has made all, he has brought everyone together. And he has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility between us and God. And lastly, we are work in progress. In our faith, every day we grow. The more you dig, the better you become. The more you, you desire him, the more you know him. The more you study his word, the more you get drawn close to him. It says in the book of Chronicles. Sorry, not Chronicles. It's Deuteronomy. It says to us, this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth. And meditate on it day and night. I don't remember the scripture because I'm hurrying now, so I can I can read it to you. But he also says in, in, in 2 Timothy, do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, but one who is rightly divided the word of truth. And in Psalm 1, he says this: Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take, or sit in the company of mockers. But whose delight is the law of the Lord, and who meditates on his law day and night. Spend your time, meditate on God's word. And when you do that, he says that that person will be like a tree that is planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaf does not wither. Whatsoever they do, they prosper. Praise God. Let's pray. And I want to encourage you. If what have been said today, you think that in any way ministered to you and you will like someone to pray with you, please, let's spend time and pray together. If two or more of us shall agree together and pray and ask God for anything, he says he will hear and he will answer us. Rebecca will come forward now to give us some announcements and I'm, as I stop, as I finish with prayer. Mighty and everlasting Father, thank you Lord for your word. You are the perfect one, O oh God. You speak and you deliver your message. I thank you because the word that I have spoken today, you've already empowered them in the lives of your children. Lord, they will be blessed. Lord, they will be drawn closer to you. And Lord, anyone here today who has not known you, Father in heaven, they will come to you. They will know you. They will experience your love. They will experience your mercy. And your grace shall be available to them. To your glory and praise. 
and for your name's sake, O oh Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you very much.